Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Under Hit Show presented by Mel Hamilton Ford. My name is Phil Nightingale. I'm the general manager. Good morning, Josh. Good morning. Josh, our service director, here to take your calls at 316-462-3673. Hey, anything ailing your car, tires, brakes, batteries, you want to talk about anything in the automobile world, you want to talk about MH Ford Racing, or just anything you at all, jump on the phones here. Love to take your questions. And as always, this is a call-in show. It's the only show I know you get paid to call in on. And we'd love to hear from you. Love to take the calls and help you with whatever it is. So as always, Josh, what's in that great package valued at over 130 bucks? So uh, we're going to mail it out to you, but it's going to consist of the works, which is an oil change and tire rotation. Uh, we use Motorcraft oil and filter products here at Mel Hamilton Ford. Uh, while we're completing that, we're also going to uh, uh, perform nitrogen. So you get all the great benefits that uh, nitrogen has to offer. Uh, as well as a multi-point inspection on that vehicle, checking over the brakes, tires, steering, suspension, uh, all the safety-related components. You'll get yourself uh, $10 to Mel's Diner, so you can get yourself something to eat and drink while you're here with us at the big corner. And then a BG products package, which is going to consist of a can of MOA or motor oil additive, and then a can of CF5 for your fuel system. Again, just getting that vehicle geared up and ready to go for that next 5,000 miles of driving. All right, let's get the phones ringing. 316-462-3673. Morning, Jason Cox. How you doing, buddy? And uh, so anyway, Josh, and uh, so sorry, Agnes, you got that through too fast for me, Josh. I'm answering a couple more texts. <laughs> yeah, it's been a been a very busy week here uh, for us, for sure, on the, on the service side. You know, uh, it's summer's still here. The heat's still on uh, from that side of things. And, but it is winding uh, down, and I'm it, actually it, We always talk about it. I can't stand it. I, so and and for me the temperature I I you know I, obviously uh, it'd be nice to be uh, even temperature all the time and not not as hot as as what we've had but it, for me it's more the daylight you know when the daylight starts changing and it gets uh, gets darker sooner uh, that's that becomes a, a concern I guess let's say but it's just a little bit of a concern yeah, de definitely been a busy week around here for sure we've got a lot going on. Uh, you know, with the with the new recon building going in over there and stuff like that. So yeah, it's coming up. The pad is set out there, uh, ready to go. Uh, got a few little glitches though, Josh. Can you imagine that? <laughs> Every yeah. day, right? Yeah. Yeah. The uh, we're we're trying to. We got. Uh, we're kind of at a standstill right now because the uh, uh, the city is fighting us on a couple of things we got to do and everything else too. So it's going to be a little bit delayed for a second here and uh hopefully monday we can get on the phone with the city and get some things done and get the actual permit done and ready to roll through and help it go yeah uh, from that part but yeah we are to stand still out there for just a little bit till we can get some stuff authorized and get it through the through the equation but uh the city's fighting us a little bit and, and uh, some of the things i was on the way to slina last night bill johnson from evans building who's doing our great job for helping us build these buildings around here called me and was he's frustrated some of the things he was rattling off to me that they're having us do don't make sense to me either. But, uh, again, don't know that side of the business, whatever, too. So hopefully the the uh, detail shop, I hope it's still on schedule. Be will be in there at the end of the year. And everybody, this is going to be a state-of-the-art detail shop we're going to have. It's going to be a huge thing that we're going to offer all kinds of different things from not just details, but uh, uh, we're going to get into the wraps of 3M film course, ready to do our wraps and everything on a big corner creative, but putting the film on a car is totally different than putting a wrap on a car. Yeah. Yep. Up in that part. So we're going to be into that. And then we're going to get into ceramic coating. And I uh, got a lovely text from uh, Jared Shivers yesterday talking about ceramic coatings. We'll get into that here just in a minute here from that part, but excited to have the detail shop. It's kind of one of our areas. Uh, the buildings down there east are a little dilapidated and not very good. But uh, so if you know someone that's really ready to take it to the next level in detailing, we're going to be hiring several detailers and stuff to be in in that building. It's going to be heated and climate controlled, heated and air conditioned curled 24-7 yeah. uh, for you. Great environment for there to work. And uh, I think we've got a good layout of that building. We've made it to where we can expand onto it as we need to. So I hope it's going to be kind of like the quick lane that we start expanding it very quickly as we go through there. So we're going to work on all kinds of things from that detailing side, but you know, uh, PDR is another thing that PDR, uh, and uh, we're also going to be getting into the paint, a uh, little bit of paint touch up, yeah. touch up stuff, not not painting things. We're, we're going to get into the touch up and that sort of thing. So if you got a scratch, or you got a little ding or something like that, or a door check or something like that, or a rock hit you in the front, whatever, we're going to get into that also for you too. So lots of things happening in the detail shop. So if you got somebody that's in the detail business or thinking about getting in the detail business, we'd love to talk to them. Because uh, we're going to be hiring several people. Love to hire people now uh, from that part, too. So let us know on that part. So ceramic coating. Uh, didn't know much about it. 
couple of years ago when I got my GT 500 and everybody said, Hey, that's what you got to do. And so basically I did it. And, uh, it is a, there's a, it's just like anything else. So it's a several step process, depending on how you want to do it, what you want to do a ceramic coating. I see people advertising ceramic coating out there and that's just a wipe on wipe off deal. Yeah. Does that help? Yeah, sure. It does. Is it better than wax? Uh, yeah, it sure is. Uh, from that part, but th that's really, to me, not what ceramic coating is. And Josh, have you done any of your cars? Yes, yeah, so I did the the Corvette. Did you? Uh, yeah, and it I was, you uh, did do that, didn't you? It made a, a world of difference. Uh, you know, just in well, the appearance for one, uh, and in, you know, it's just like everything else. Um, there's a budget for for everything. There you go. You know, um, you can get uh, just I, I would you know relate it to a fuel additive. You can go down to Walmart and buy a fuel additive for a buck ninety nine, or you could uh, pay not get much for that. You know, right? uh, for a BG additive is going to be, you know, not a dollar ninety nine, but you're going to. There's a difference in those additives. Yeah, you know, exactly. Ceramic coating. Can you just get a good, a good product and put it on and wipe it off, and then you've got a better coating and everything else? Yeah, you can. And so many benefits just to that step is, you know, bugs not sticking to the car, rain not sticking to the car, dirt not sticking to the car, uh, that sort of thing. But it's basically just giving you an extra layer of protection over your car. Uh, but the next step would be is actually going in and uh, these guys got these technical terms for it. But my deal of how I look at it is going in and polishing all the fine scratches out so of it. So the paint, uh, paint uh, correction yeah. or something yeah. they, they call it, you know, not my world. But I remember when they were doing my GT500, he would send me pictures of of spots that weren't done versus kind of spots before that, and after. Yeah. And just spots. And it was blowing me away at what it looks like. And then when you actually get the car back. Uh, to see it, it's crazy. Well, so what, uh, I remember I took, uh, I'm trying to remember what car it was, uh, what I'm down, but I, it was, uh, I think it was maybe Kelly Estes's and 500. Uh, yeah, it's 500. His, and, yeah. Uh, I think it was a 500, but anyways, uh, looking at it, you know, on the showroom when he dropped it off, I was like, man, that's in, you know, pretty decent shape. And I, uh, we took it down to the, the facility that they were, they were doing it at and, <clears throat> pulled in there and just the lights that they had down there and what it looked like under those lights versus what it looked like on the service drive. And then how it looked once it was done, it just, it blew you away. I mean, yeah. you take a brand new car and you think, you know, it looks pretty decent. And mm -hmm. then, uh, and just the, the sheen on it and how it looks. But then the other thing is, uh, just a car sitting around naturally in the dust that it accumulates and, and yep. stuff like that versus how much easier it is to clean up afterwards uh yeah exactly and, to clean it uh keeping the bugs off of it and then even like i said the rock's hitting it i mean it's, it's just an extra layer of protection so if the rock does hit it can it still chip the paint sure it can but i mean it's giving you an extra layer there of, of stopping that from happening and thing of course that's what the 3m film is and again we, we say 3m and i think that's because that's who first originally yeah. come up with that film but i know there's probably other manufacturers out there uh with that film and stuff and I've had some negative things on film years ago, but I'm sure that technology has changed drastically how much better that is and everything else too. You know, years ago you'd put it on and then, you know, five years down the road, it kind of haze or, yeah. or white and you don't see that much anymore. And I think there's a, there's a direction to go or an argument to, of what to use both ways. You know, it's really about application and what you're trying to achieve long-term and, and things yeah. like that. And, you know, it's just like maintenance for the most part is that everybody's needs are different and it's just a matter of what your application is, what you're trying to achieve, you know, how long you want it to, to be like that and stuff like that as far as which way. But it, it is, it's a, it's just like you said, everybody's got a different plan of attack. And I'm going to tell you that if I had a daily driver today and I was out on the highway all the time, everything else like that, the 3M film was probably what I would do. Uh, putting the film on there to protect the front from all the bugs, all the rocks and all that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, you take my GT 500, it's set and don't drive it very much or anything else like that. And that's kind of what the guy told me when I first did my 500, cause I talked to him about the film and that's what he told me. He said, you know, this is not a daily driver. Uh, let's get a paint correction. Let's put a good film, of, of ceramic coating on her. Of course, I take it back every six months to have him redo it and go back through it again. I probably got 10 layers of protection. I think now it's okay. <laughs> Uh, yeah. kind of one of those guys that more is better, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, so anyway, put the three and film on. If I have a daily driver, I still think I would want to, before I put the film on, I would still want to put a ceramic coat on it from that part. 
just to help protect it more, everything else from that standpoint. Then again, I might be talking wrong here. You might not be able to put yeah. the film on if you put ceramic coat on. I don't know that, but I'm not saying it's not true with her either. Uh, but, uh, but again, you know, if I'm out on that highway all the time, everything else with that, I, the film's kind of way I'd go. But if I want my car to look good, stay looking good, uh, I would do the paint correction where they go in. And I mean, it's they spend several hours of going in there and doing that paint correction and cleaning it up, cleaning all the scratches out and everything else too, and then put the coating on there. And then again, that's that's another thing is, you know, on mine back in 2020, it was a uh, set for five days after it was done so it could cure and get hard and everything else like before I drove it. I think now it's like 24 hours you can go and drive and stuff too uh, from that part. So anyway, Josh, we've got a caller yeah, coming in through. You're getting, getting punched yep. in here. So we'll get uh, uh, Sabrina checked in here in just a second uh, from that part. Anyway, 316-462-3673. Hey, anything angle in your car, tires, brakes, batteries, whatever it might be, we're going to answer your questions and give you the great price package about over 130 bucks for each and every caller. Uh, and again, anything you want to talk about uh, in this automobile world, love to hear from you. And uh, who knows, sometimes there's also a – Diagnostic goes, goes along with that too. So 316-462-3673. And we'll get Sabrina checked in here and she's coming through the front desk. We'll get her online here and see what her question is, what she might have to talk about this morning. Love to hear from anybody and help you with that. And like I said, it's only show you know you get paid to call in on. So getting her patched in here, Josh. I think so. Yeah, there we go. Sabrina, you're on live with Under the Hood. Sabrina, you're on live with Under the Hood. Go ahead. Yeah. Okay. So I have a 2007 Ford Focus. Now, when um, when I first get in the vehicle, the clutch is like really low down to the to the floor. And sometimes if I pump it, it works a little bit better. Now I know that the fluids seem to be okay. Is there anything that you could tell me? Like, what what am I missing? What am I needing to look for? Uh, and so there is an actual, uh, fluid for the clutch or a separate reservoir and that's been checked and the level is okay on that. I, I do believe so. I, yeah. it's, I bought it from, uh, my brother and he had said that everything had been checked and refilled recently. Yeah. So, um, so obviously the, the first thing that I would, uh, wonder about is, um, the fluid level. And then the other thing is that if maybe at one point in time, if you just recently purchased it, the fluid level was low and, uh, or even out, and then they filled it back up, <clears throat> there could be air in the system, uh, that would cause uh -huh. that. Um, so, you know, the procedure of bleeding the clutch would be a thing that could correct that. But then the other side of that is, is that if that system is leaking, there's, there's something wrong. Or if you're having to add fluid, fluid to it, there's something wrong. Um, in the sense of either it's leaking somewhere or the, the thickness of the clutch is, uh, the clutch plate, um, has thinned down enough just from wear and tear and use that it's absorbing that fluid. So, um, you know, that would be the first thing to look at. The other thing, if you have a uh, uh, master cylinder or slave cylinder that's not doing exactly what it uh, what it needs to be doing um, and it's able uh, allowing fluid to kind of pass by it or leak by it, um, that would also give you that same feeling. And so uh, it would just be one of those things that we would need to look at and, and run some diagnostics on it to, to see exactly what's what's happening and from where. Um, we'll throw a diagnostic right. onto your package and take a look at that at at no charge to you and uh, get you an idea as to, to what's going on and why, uh, for that thing. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. And you're able to, to get it into gear though. It's just the, the pedal yeah, is pretty really low. Yeah. I, and, and the pedal's really far down. And then sometimes it, the shifting gets easier the more I drive it. But when I first started up, it's really hard to, to get it into gear to begin with. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to say that we're probably going to find something uh, something along the lines of a, a fluid leak or maybe air in that system from a from a fluid leak uh, for, with with right. the vehicle. So, how many miles are on that thing? Oh gosh, um, you know, I'm not a hundred percent sure. I think it's, you know, what? Give me just half of a second, oh, and yeah. I can look because I have a. Uh, I have drive safe and safe. Oh, know. gotcha. Okay. On, on your uh, phone there. Got it connected right there. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. So give me just half of a second, and it'll hopefully give it to me. Um, and when you want it to work fast, yeah. tomorrow, I know. <laughs> I know, I know. It's crazy. Never fails, does it? And of course, I know. And of course, it doesn't really want to tell me what it is. Yeah, that's, that's, that's okay. okay. Yeah, it's, it's no, no. I problem, don't know. So. I know that it's. I know that it's ever. A, it's definitely a, a high mileage. That's well, okay. It should be for an 07. Yeah. Yeah. So, Sabrina, we'll get yeah, that. It's a, yeah. It's a, right. It's a 2007 Ford Focus. Yeah. And, I mean, it wants me to update the odometer right now, so it's not yeah, going to tell okay. me. That's okay. <laughs> no problem. Let's get it in here. Let's take a look at it real quick. See, if we can figure out what's going on with it for we'll you. Get okay. that, uh, we'll get that. We'll get that added on your package. I so. appreciate it. All right. Well, good deal. Thank you for the call, Sabrina. Thank you. All right, let's get uh, Daryl coming through. We got another caller coming up here. So get Daryl coming through here in just a second. Anyway, 316 462 3673. That's the number of our front desk. The girls answer the phone, tell them you want to get passed into the podcast, and uh, they'll send us a text. We'll tell them when you're ready for it to send you through. And Daryl's going to be coming up here next. So, you know, that's a, uh, oddly enough, a discussion we were having last night is uh, about uh, manual transmissions. And, mm-hmm. uh, People just don't, uh, there's not very many people that really know how to drive manual transmissions much anymore. Of course, there's a lot less of them uh, from that side. That's of things, very true. You know, that used uh, to be the standard thing was an automatic, I mean, a, a manual. Uh, a manual. Had, yeah, anymore. It's kind of not that way. We were so. talking about, uh, you know, I think every driver's education class in America should be with a manual transmission yeah. uh, from that side. So uh, let's go to the phones. Let's talk to Daryl. Daryl, you're on live with Under the Hood. Go ahead. Yes, uh, I like to ask a question. I've got a uh, 2005 Ranger, and it has about 77,000 miles on it. And I've never changed the rear rear end oil in the differential. How often should that oil be changed, and should it be changed now? Uh, so, yes, I would say that it should be changed now. Um, so for for a blanketed term, we recommend differential fluids around 45 to 50,000 miles. Um, and then, oh, man. yeah, there should be a, uh, there should be a time period with that as well, because the fluid will absorb moisture, um, you know, through the vents and, and everything like that as well. And every, all the, when the moisture gets into the fluid, it breaks down its ability to, to uh, heat cycle or to uh, lubricate as the fluid is warmed up or heated up just because of the, uh, of the moisture in the fluid as well. And so, you know, it, especially when you talk trucks, now a Ranger is a little bit different of a story, but if you're pulling or, you know, you have a boat and you're putting it in the water all the time, uh, you know, things like that, uh, all of that affects that fluid. I, 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 can think of an instance uh, just yesterday that I was uh, back with a technician uh, and he pulled a drain plug out of a rear differential uh, on an F-150 and it had like 30,000 miles on it. And when he did, it was milk what that come out of it. And, you know, that person at that, that vehicle has been, you know, in water uh, or around water. And I'm sure they probably have a boat that, uh, that they've taken out and put on a ramp you know, several different times, uh, from that side to, to make that happen. And so again, I go back to just what you're using the vehicle for and, and, uh, doing a good visual inspection on that fluid. But uh, as a blanketed term, typically around 45, 50,000 miles is when we would recommend, uh, the differential fluid to be changed out. Okay. Well, I better get it over there then. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Thank you. Thanks for the call. Yeah, some things we kind of forget about. You know, years ago, you know, I still remember this with my dad. We had a little uh, wire hook that we would take and uh, take the drain plug out of, I mean, the fill plug out of a differential and take the little hook to put in there, see how much fluid was in there. And guess what color it was every time it came out? Yeah. Black. <laughs> Black. Because, you know, back in those days, we never thought at all of ever changing differential fluid. Never. That was, we, just, yeah. we just filled it up. I think it's probably because the reason we didn't it leak, they all leaked so much. We <laughs> <laughs> didn't know what was going on there. You know, it's, and it's another thing. It's like uh, uh, power steering fluid. We never knew it. Shoot, we just topped them off and kept going. Of course, they probably leaked enough out to keep fresh fluid in too from that part. And brake flush. I mean, we never did that either. Yeah. Brake flush. What are you talking about? Yeah, very, very uh, much but so. But today, that is so crucial for what we got. So, hey, well, you know, I don't, like you said, uh, everything then leaked. 
Yeah, you know, we had leaks everywhere, <laughs> and, and it was yeah, it was just a, it was just part of it, and you just topped it off and and went on. That's why you went every uh, 200, 200 miles. You were had to be at a filling station, topping everything off. Now we go five thousand miles and don't know what we're doing. So uh, anyway, Brandon Moon, good morning, Tart. Took so long, had some callers coming in here all the way from Chanute. Thanks for watching, Troy Furman. Good morning, Troy. Anyway, we're going to get uh, Grant checked in here in just a second, see what's on Grant's mind this morning, see what kind of questions he's got going on. 316-462-3673. Love to hear from you. Anything in the automobile world, anything alien car, tires, brakes, batteries, uh, MH Ford Racing, whatever it might be, we're here to take your calls and love to hear from you and give you a great prize package. And here we go. Grant, you're on live with Under the Hood. Go ahead. Hey, I recently bought a car with a cold air intake. However, I don't know how to maintain it have peak performance and that's a great question yeah that is a, a very good question and so a lot of the cold air intakes like that uh you know i don't know if yours was a specific k&n or not or whatever from from that side of it but uh there's so many products yeah, after today there too. are uh but they have serviceable filters in them uh and that is uh something Obviously, the cleaner that filter is, the better job uh, that it's or the more air you're going to be able to to get from that side. But then also the better performance you're going to get out of it. So, you know, it would be just like uh, changing an air filter or checking your air filter. And when that thing is is dirty, uh, there's a, a service kit that you can purchase to go along with them. Uh, and basically, there is a cleaner that you put on to the air filter initially, uh, and it's a a detergent, uh, almost like a de degreaser. Um, so you'll uh, put the put the uh, detergent on it or the cleaner on it. Um, then you run water through it, and when you run water through it, you want to run it from the inside of the filter out. So as the as it was on the vehicle, uh, the where the air is going to first contact the filter to go into the motor. So you want to go opposite of that. You want to the motor side of the filter uh, to run the water out the other way. And the main reason for that is so you're not uh, embedding or impacting that stuff further into the filter uh, from that side. Uh, some people, I've seen people use compressed air. You really don't want to do that. Oh, yeah, bad news um, there. You want to you want to just use water uh, and not high pressure water, just uh, enough out of a, a garden hose. Uh, then you let the filter completely dry. Uh, and then after that, there's oil uh, as part of that kit that you reapply to the filter. Now, on the oil, uh, you know, uh, in case in point, we talked about uh, earlier in the show is that uh, if a little's good, a lot's better. That's not necessarily the case in this point. I've seen people over oil these filters and then really the oil, nice. I didn't know that. And then the oil get on the mass airflow sensors and, and stuff like that and cause drivability issues uh from from that side of things. So but you're really just wanting enough enough oil on it that it's uh that it's coated the dirt. Yeah, that it's collecting the dirt and kind of coated the filter uh, a decent amount. So you don't want it you don't want the filter dripping uh from that side. And then it's just a matter of reinstalling it um from that. Awesome. Well, thank you for the information. I, I appreciate it. And that is a, a service we offer as well um, as far as uh, cleaning those. And that is something that, uh, you know, the guys check for uh, when we service them uh, and and recommend if if it needs it. But it's just a matter of a visual inspection and, and a proper cleaning procedure. Uh, the main thing, I think, is just uh, let it let the filter completely dry out before you reinstall the oil. So. Gotcha. Well, thank you very much. Hey, you bet. Glad for the call. Thanks for calling in. Anyway, there's getting a lot of more of those cold air intakes out there and everything else, too, for performance-wise, all that kind of thing, too. You know, and, Josh, I'm going to tell you, I use a washable filter in, in the race car. And, mm -hmm. yeah, sometimes that little oil kind of gets in there a little bit too much. I don't know why that happens either, but uh, more is better, right, Josh? Yeah, yeah. So In your uh, case, probably not as not as uh, it's crucial. It's not crucial because yeah. it's going to suck it in there and run it through there and stuff, too. But, you know, you, I get in a hurry, get ready to go, and, and everything else too but uh yeah that washable filter and a lot of guys laugh at me about that that filter but i do believe uh keeping a good clean filter and some of these guys run these air filters in the dirt tracks you know three or four weeks i can't stand it i clean that thing after every race and to me that's uh it's an inexpensive uh assurance i guess you know what i'm saying if uh if you're getting dirt and debris down in an engine that's not 
that's not good at all. You know, so I just think those filters do do a better job of, of doing that. But again, like he, he was saying, you know, when is the proper time and how often do you do it? And my opinion on a worshipable filter, it, you never can do it too much. Yeah. Cause if you do it right, like you said, you know, cleaning it the right way, washing it out backwards and then putting the right amount of oil on her and everything else too. I, I just don't think you can do it too much. And I think it's a great deal, but uh, again, a lot of times they put cold air intakes on these things, and sometimes there's a good improvement. Sometimes there's not. Sometimes yep. it just sounds better uh, from that part. So anyway, uh, what else we were we've talked about? We, did, so we get through, your, did we get through ceramic coating okay? Uh, um, yeah, well, I mean, I, yeah. I guess another thing you can do is here, here's what I'll tell you. It's just kind of like you talked about earlier, how much you spend on things or whatever from that part. Uh, on the ceramic coating, can you wipe some stuff on and wipe it off and, and be better than wax? Yeah, you can. It's probably going to cost you, I don't know, two, three hundred bucks from that part. Now to go in and take a car, and again, it depends on the size of the car and everything else like that. And what's so the the, the paint correction too is a, a large part of that estimate too. If you have a car that has a lot of uh, you know uh, real fine scratches on it, and and they've got to kind of work at it and wet sand it to get those out. Um, you know, that's going to make a huge difference too uh, on the, so I think the prep work on the ceramic coating is probably just as important as the ceramic coating itself. Yeah. But you can, like, again, you can just put ceramic coating on not paint correction it too. Yeah. But I don't. Yeah. I don't know why you would want to do that, but yeah. But some, I, I only thing I could think of there, Josh, is just to give you an extra layer of protection from the existing paint that you do have or whatever. Uh, but if you put that car, I don't care what car it is, whatever you put under some, the right lights, like you talked about and stuff too, uh, you'll see them find scratches really quick and everything else too. So putting ceramic coating on, on a, say a normal F-150, uh, can we do that? Yeah, you can put that on there. Is it going to better protect it? Yeah, it can. Uh, difference is two, 300 bucks versus, you know, to paint correction one and everything else around $2,000 is what yep. you're going to spend uh, to paint correction. Because those guys are going to spend hours upon hours detail polishing that thing out and you know making it happen and stuff too uh from that part but uh so and then you can get into ceramic coating the wheels the brake calipers uh fender the wells windshields, glass, yeah. glass and then the interior there's a there's also ceramic coating for the interiors and the carpet and the vinyl and the leather and all those different things so there's all kinds of products and again goes back to the good products that you have is a get what you pay for same difference on the fuel additives and and that kind of thing of what you're going to get with that ceramic coating from that part so you know i go back to the the uh first caller's comment when what was your first manual transmission uh very first car i was gonna say yeah probably very right, first right out of the gate right you're just kind of funny. was a scout a manual it was it started out to be a manual until yeah. someone blew that manual transmission up <laughs> how do that. you blow up a manual transmission <laughs> let me tell you something <laughs> there josh if that scout is that could... even possible oh i, I did it really okay. Yeah, well, like I said, if that scout could talk, man, oh man, oh man, well, I'd be in trouble. But uh, uh, statue of limitations is running on that oh, stuff a long time ago. Yeah, so next time you see the scout looking, you'll see where my dad took the clutch pedal and the brake pedal, and he put a big old nut between them and took oh, two yeah. bands. Uh -huh. So now I got instead of having a brake pedal about four you inches one, big I got pedal. I got one big brake pedal across there from that deal. Yeah, that old the old three speed manual gave up pretty quick. I don't know what happened there or whatever, but I got a pretty good idea what happened <laughs> from that part. But, uh, no, the very first car I ever drove was our dune buggy. Oh, okay. We had, yeah. my dad took a VW bug and converted it into a fiberglass, uh, dune buggy. We put some cool wheels on. I had the old stacks coming out the back. So you could hear him coming from wherever he was at and stuff too. So we were still stationed at first in Maine there in Halstead and, uh, and the uh, back lot was kind of a dirt lot. And him and I were getting in the dune buggy to go somewhere or whatever. And he left it running. And I thought, you know what? So I slid over, took off, drove around the circle, come back in there. And he went back in and goes, you drove this thing, didn't you? And how the hell did you know? <laughs> I saw my tracks. <laughs> he saw my tracks. Uh, the yeah. things you don't think of. Yeah. You so know. now if my brother-in-law Greg could call in, when I first met him, I got to think how old I was being probably – well, let's think about that for a minute. I'm eight years behind my sister, so probably 10 years old when I first met Greg. And we had the dune buggy out behind my house. I took Greg for a ride <laughs> <laughs> in the dune buggy. And, to hear, and to have him tell you that story is pretty crazy. So sometime we'll have to get Greg to call in and talk about uh, the ride in the dune buggy after I first met him. <laughs> with, with And you were 10 with the manual probably transmission. Probably 10, yeah. yeah. Manual transmission, four-speed in the old dune buggy. And okay, now how about uh, first three on the tree? 
Okay, well, that was my dad's 58 Ford. Oh, okay. He had an F100. And uh, now here's Josh. Here's the next thing is, too. We had a three on the tree in that thing with a uh, flathead V8 in it. And he had a pair of slicks for the back. And oh, he, really? He, he, he tuned that motor, you know, did he tore that motor apart, went back through it, did everything, and, and uh, put those slicks on the back of it. And he could pull the left front wheel off the ground. Really? With that truck. Yeah, it was, <laughs> yeah, that thing dialed in pretty good. I wish he could tell us that story to so hear about that stuff, too. Yeah, three on the tree was my dad's 58 F100 Red. Regular yeah. cab, two-wheel drive stuff, too. Okay, so now back to you. What was your... So, plan? the... Well, first, my, I mean, manuals was tractors, you know, all the way. But as far as first, uh, first manual car was... Oh, man, I don't... I don't know. Is that a, yeah, I don't know. Is that a, I mean, I'm sure it was a farm truck. I was so like an F-350 or something. And then uh, the three on the tree was, and I was, I was still really young then, but uh, grandpa was looking for another farm truck and he, there was this one guy and he just, I don't know, just collected stuff. Yeah. Just collected stuff. And you'd go out there and there's cars just littered everywhere. <laughs> and you'd ask him like, you know, hey, what do you want for that deal over there? And it was an F-100. Yeah, uh, uh-huh. it bought it, and I didn't even know a three on a tree was a thing. So I'm oh. thinking it's an automatic. Oh and yeah, we get in it, and our grandpa's like, "How much you want for that thing?" And he's like, "Oh, you know, I don't even remember what he paid, but couldn't have been more than probably five hundred bucks or something." If that, probably if that, then, yeah. yeah. And uh, he said, "Well, what do you think's wrong with it?" And the guy's like, oh, "I'm pretty sure it ran out of gas out there." And he says, <laughs> "Then a little bit later, I went out and maybe pulled the battery out and stuck it in something else." I mean, it was that type of place. <laughs> sure, shit. We went out there, put a battery in it, and some gas in it, and fired up. Check it out. But uh, he's, I got in it to to drive it, and I was like, "Well, why does it have a clutch pedal in it with the with the uh, shifter up there?" And so yeah, by yeah. the time I drove it home, I I knew how to drive a three on a tree from <laughs> Lift from it up, that pull side. It back, yep, away you go. yep, for sure. So all right, let's hear from some. Let's hear what yeah. your first car you drove as a manual transmission. If it was a four speed or a three speed or yep. on the floor or if it was on the on the tree or whatever we call it. 316-462-3673. Get the great price package just to tell us what was your first car you drove with a manual transmission, and if it was a uh, on the floor or whether it was on a three speed on the tree yeah that's why they only had three speeds on the tree yeah it, can, yeah. it has to be three speed because you could never get no more years than that where where the next one was at for sure so let's hear from what your first manual transmission was you drove and uh yeah the old three on the tree that was that's you had to get that thing just right and, and then i don't know from the from the clutch standpoint i mean it just kind of came natural uh, and i think a lot of that for me was just being on tractors you know yeah. kind of growing up and stuff but yeah, yeah. It's, it's and i've seen uh, i've seen a lot of people struggle on that <laughs> you know <laughs> I, have <to. laughs> I have to so sitting there driving something around man that uh smells a little funny with the clutch burning <laughs> up <laughs> yeah so anyway let's hear what's your first manual transmission that you ever drove 316-462-3673 your make and model what was it mine's a well mine was the doom buggy on the floor yeah. four speed and uh, then the next would have been, golly, after that, it has to be the, the OF-100, three-speed on the tree. And I don't – so mine, I think, probably would have been an F-350, an old, old F-350. But, uh, sure. I mean, Back first – Back you sure wasn't a 300? Or, well, 300, yeah. yeah probably but 300. first gear was so low that, like, oh, you didn't have it, to – Pull a house down. <laughs> you didn't have to – there was no feather in the clutch or anything. You just put it in that gear and let it out. and it take take right off for sure. Yeah, uh, so. on that side. Anyway, so let's get the phones ringing. 316-462-3673. Again, anything alien car, tires, brakes, batteries. But still, what was your first car that you drove as a manual transmission? And then, uh, you know, while we're waiting on that call, so Broncos got a manual transmission in it uh, now yep. from that side. Um, they When they first come out with the Bronco, they released it with a manual transmission. Um, I was trying to think, as Mustang would be, I guess, or all other product line for a manual transmission um the maki i think has a manual transmission too doesn't it yeah no maki <laughs> yeah that's manual all right yeah one speed that's it you you got the go pedal or the the no go pedal yeah uh, from that side <laughs> that's another funny story <laughs> so when you say go pedal oh yeah <laughs> the uh when watching racing dirt there, I don't remember which track that was or whatever but ellie was there and she texted me says you got to listen to this guy he was the announcer there 
one of those racetracks, you know, racing dirt does the announcement. And then when it goes to the, the support classes, then their track announcer gets in there and goes. And that was his favorite thing to say too heavy on the go pedal. <laughs> <laughs> so, every time you say the go pedal, I That's, think of that guy. Listening think of to that deal too heavy on the go pedal. I was trying to think of what, uh, he, Trenton called in that one time and he had some saying, and I don't remember what it was, but I've, I oh, remember yeah, at the time he dropped her, dropped him like a set of forty lap used up tires, and I was like, "Man, I'm gonna, re- I'm gonna remember that." Yeah. <laughs> oh, it did. That's right. Mm. Anyways, we've got uh, Larry getting patched through here. Hopefully, he's got a manual transmission story for us. I bet he does. Uh, I can feel it. <laughs> so we'll get feel to, it like a set of forty lap used up <laughs> tires. Get him patched through here and see what see what's on Larry's mind this morning. Okay, 316-462-3673. Love to hear from you. What was your first manual transmission car you ever drove? Love to hear from you. And where's Larry? Come on, Larry. <laughs> so, anyway, as we're getting Larry patched in here, too, we're just wanting to know what is your first manual transmission, and was it four on the floor? Of course, there were some three-speeds on the floor, too. Yeah. Yeah, not hey, many. How about those old Chrysler products you used to have the push button on the dash? How about that? That's not a manual transmission. No, I know it's not. I'm just saying, but that I remember those quite well too. So uh gotten a, a new Tahoe, or well, not a new Tahoe, but a twenty-two Tahoe yesterday, and they went back to that uh push button on the dash. It's not a push button deal, but you actually uh really? they're up there and then yeah, I'd I'd not been in one of them before and seen that. I don't know. Just thought it was kind of odd or weird. So someone uh, traded a 22 talking already, huh? Yeah. Okay. Have a little technical. I was getting Larry to come through. We'll get and, him, uh, try to get him resent here. So, um, and then, uh, Oh, here, let's got another caller coming. Maybe we lost Larry, Larry. If we lost you, uh, let's try back. If you would here, uh, let's see. Got a, we'll send, uh, Larry, I think, uh, I think maybe we lost you in the, in the queue here. So let's, uh, we're going to move on to Ruth. Uh, and then we'll hopefully Larry, if you can, uh, call back in and we'll get you picked back up here. So, uh, we'll move on to, on to the next caller here, get them patched through as well. I think we got a couple of different callers in queue here. So, uh, Looks like we're getting them resent. Got a couple people that want to tell manual transmission stories, it looks like. Okay. I'm sure we got a bunch of people coming in now. I'm seeing them coming in now, too. So we got Ruth. We get Ruth in here yet. And got Jason Cox coming up, and uh, something's happening here twice. Something's not getting our callers through here. So sorry for those little technical difficulties. Here we'll get through here real quick and see what uh, yeah, see what she has going on. So how about uh, you know speaking? There, of, we, there go. we go. Now we got. Uh, now it depends who we got. Yeah. So hey, you're on live with Under the Hood. Who do we have the pleasure of speaking with? Yeah, this is Larian. Oh, Larry. Um, good deal. Yeah. 36 Chevy. A 36 Chevy. At first, that's the first car. That's when I remember it. Okay, so that, that had to be a three-speed on the tree, right? Yes, it was. Yep, being a 37. No, it was on the floor. Huh? Was it, it was on, on the floor? floor. And by a three-foot-long gear, gear shift. Oh, yeah. <laughs> had to have that leverage to get those gears moved together, right? Yeah, you had to get a little leverage. So yeah. uh, you said it was a 36. What, what year 36. was it? What year was it that you... Uh, oh, that would have been... Let's see. I'm 77 years old. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, let say 15. Probably 16. And then, uh, so out of that, how many years did you have it? Oh, the car? Yeah. I... Boy, I don't remember. Yeah, my dad had he kept it after that, and I went on to school. And yep, understand, understand that. But when when he passed away, we 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 finally sold a part of the estate. I don't know what happened to it after that. Sure. So it probably had a six cylinder in it, didn't it? 
A what? Six-cylinder motor. Yes, yes. Straight six, yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. I remember him working on that thing in the garage, putting new uh, rods and stuff in it. Oh, yeah. It wasn't. So, a, didn't I do anything know. with a clutch, did he? <laughs> I don't think so. Yeah. Well, he, he may have. I don't know. But he was working. He worked on. He worked on it all the time. That's, what, that's how it was back then. Yeah. You, you constantly had toolbox in the back of your car, and you worked on them every minute you could, and you had to keep them running. What you keep did. Going. Yeah, it's just how it was back then. That's what you did. Totally different world. Yeah. Well, awesome, Larry. Thanks for the call. Love to hear from you, and uh, thanks for calling in, buddy. Yeah. Thanks, now. Bye. You betcha. Bye. All there right, we go. So we're going to get Ruth patched yeah. in here. A little technical. We've got people patched in here. We'll get them going there. 37 Chevrolet, three-speed on the floor, six-cylinder trans, six-cylinder motor. Bet that thing went 45 mile an hour. Oh, well, yeah. And then, uh, you know, you think of, uh, I don't know, just the technology. We'll go back to the phones here and talk to, I believe we have Ruth. Ruth, are you live with us? I am. Very good. Do you have a manual transmission story, Ruth? Well, I didn't learn how to drive uh, a manual until I was like 22, um, but it was a, a geo tracker. It had a soft top roof that could come off, and uh, yeah, best little car. Yep. Best so, little car to learn how to drive on. And what uh, what year was it, you said? Um, And I don't know what year the vehicle was, but... Uh, it was 92. Yeah, probably. No, no, it wasn't '92. Uh, it was, it was in 2002 when I learned how to drive. It. 2002, gotcha. Yeah, it probably was in the yeah. '90 model. I can't remember when they quit making the geos. So they did the geo trackers, and then uh, Isuzu picked them up as the Amigo or whatever, if I remember that right. Was, yeah, yeah, I think yeah. sounds probably huh. right. Yeah, those are uh, the pretty short wheelbase cars, and they'll get around pretty good. Yep. It was good to get me back and forth to school. That's all that matters. Right? <laughs> there <laughs> exactly. you go. Well, hey, Ruth, thanks for calling. Thank us for letting us know your first car. So appreciate that very much, Ruth. Have a great day. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. All right. Let's get, uh, looks like we need to get Jason in here next. Let's get Jason patched through and let's see what Jason's first manual transmission car was. I wonder, uh, we forgot to ask her if that had to have a clutch put in it or not. Oh, afterwards. yeah. <laughs> we didn't ask her that, did we? Probably need to find out. We'll have to keep asking those questions, Josh. So we'll get uh, six uh, Jason uh, sent through here, get him dialed up. So it's, uh, uh, you know, just the, I was try, trying to think of as far as uh, wrecking a manual versus an automatic. Well, let's see. Let's send, we got Jason on the line. Jason, you're live with Under the Hood. Go ahead. Morning, guys. How are you? So I got a funny uh, manual transmission story for you. Okay. So back Let's... in 1985, I was 15 in high school, and I was taking driver's ed. Well, back then, my dad worked for uh, Schofield Brothers Pontiac, and I was going to Trans Am, you know, with I. And uh, so it surprised me, my dad brought home a manual Trans Am. And me to a parking lot and let me practice on it there and let me tell you that thing had a so much power i was even scared to even drive it <laughs> yeah. just to do that yeah that's uh that's very cool uh to be able to have that experience especially in that car uh being the first one that you got to drive it in so <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> yeah so anyway i thought i'd share that story with you could you smell the clutch at the end of the deal <laughs> no. <laughs> no. probably so right no I, I was so scared of driving it because number one you know it let him actually take it home yeah and i was so sick i was gonna break it that thing has so much power and oh my god yeah especially letting that clutch but out just right a little bit you too find him right yeah exactly let that clutch <laughs> out a little bit too fast and hang on <laughs> that's right yeah, that's right. Well, very cool story, and thanks for sharing that with us, Jason. All right, you guys. I'm on my way to see you guys. You guys have a for me, so oh, good. Gonna make you guys some money today. Well, there we go. So, All right, appreciate we'll, that. All there right, you right. go. <laughs> All right, thanks, Jason. You guys have a good weekend. You, you too, too, buddy. Bye. 
All right, still taking the calls on what was your first manual transmission you ever drove, and uh, we're getting ready to patch in Paula. Yeah, we'll get Paula her. Paula uh, her next patch through here real quick and see what her, if that may, who knows, might not be her question. Yeah, I mean, maybe she has a, a car question might instead be, of huh? manual transmission. <laughs> I guess we still do that, so <laughs> we'll get her uh, sent yeah. through here as well. Yep. So, yeah, I can uh, just imagine, uh, you know, being maybe of that age and uh dad showing up with a trans, trans am and uh the lights in your eyes uh or your eyeballs get about that big what did he say it was 80s yeah. 90s i can't remember what he said i think it was 90 uh from that side but yeah let's see yeah that would be very interesting in that parking lot so <laughs> anyway getting paula passed through here let's see what her question is or her comment on the first manual transmission car we'll see what that is and see if we can have some fun with this deal still josh we'll so. get them uh patched through there as well oh okay, here, here we, we go. go good morning you're on live with under the good hood morning. you're on live with under the hood uh yeah i was calling in to tell you the first car that i drove a stick shift on okay yes. okay um it was a 1965 super sport Super. And I was so bad at it <laughs> that I had to let it roll down the hill and go a different route. <laughs> so that, but I did learn how to drive it. So. Well, that's cool. So that would have been a four-speed well, cool. on the floor. So that would have been a four-speed on the floor. Yep, <laughs> four-speed on the floor. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, very, very cool. cool. Very cool. So you yep. had to had to let so it roll to, down the hill. Had to let it roll down the hill. And change directions. Yeah. And change directions. And change directions because. Yeah, it had a real touchy clutch, and it was, and like I said, it was the first time I ever tried to drive it. So let's go one step further. Oh, who taught you how further. to drive it? Who taught you how to drive it? Oh, my ex-husband. It was his car. And uh, was and, he was uh, he patient with was the he, process? Was he patient with the process. Uh, yeah, kind of. He was probably he was probably scared to be. <laughs> Anything but patience. <laughs> well, but anyway, so yeah. Well, very, very good. Very, very good. We well, thank you for calling no. in and well, sharing you your story. your story. So you're welcome. <laughs> you have a good rest of your day. You. Have a good rest of your day. You too. Bye bye. bye. Getting a little feedback there from Paul, but yeah. that's okay. Still funny stories on LSF. I'm sure some people had some guts to call in and could have some more stories. Could oh, yeah. Yeah, I definitely would agree with that. And, uh, you know, I, I think of the person sitting in the passenger seat on each one of these stories and what that yeah. experience is like. Okay, so now I'll tell you, the Scout, when it was still a manual transmission. Yeah. My grandpa lived on the uh, uh, north side of Halstead, and his property went all the way down to the river and it was kind of wooded down in there. And of course I used to always mow that grass back there all the time. He had a great riding lawnmower, one of those snappers. Yeah. I rode that thing many hours back there mowing that land and everything back there. But then they decided when to clean some trees out and clear some out of there and everything else like that too. So we uh, took the scout down there and we're going to pull some trees out. My dad was there. I'm driving. And we hook a chain around one of the trees. And of course, you know, manual transmission, which of course my dad's telling me, quit, you know, let the, just let the clutch out and go. Don't set your, you know, slide. The yeah. clutch. I had to smell them pretty good. <laughs> so I turn around and I hit that thing and did just what he said. But the problem would happen is the truck went sideways and the right quarter panel ended up into another tree. Oh no. Oh yeah. 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 So I was ready to get my, you know what, shoot out, but he knew that he told That's me what to he do told it. you to do. I yep. did it. And <laughs> that thing went sideways and in and out of trees. So he went back around and hooked the chain and we rolled back up up top to the to where my grandpa's uh, garage was at and my mom was sitting there and she looked at that and said, What happened there? He just shook his head and off we went. Didn't say nothing, never I I mean I thought I'd gonna get my you know, reamed out hard. Shoot out for it. Yeah. Nope. That's exactly what he told you to do. Yeah, so. I did it. I mean, I, I, trust me, that, that clutch was a smoking. <laughs> it was a smoking from that part. So, anyway, I think maybe we run our time out on the manual manual transmission. Yeah. Everything else too, but hey, we're running out of time too. And uh, Josh, you know, we don't do a good job good job talking about our sponsors to help with this show each and every week and partnerships that we have with 
our great people, but uh, BG products, all the great preventative maintenance products we use right inside here at Melham with the Ford. Hey, we had a great time with them here a couple weeks ago when Bob Taska Bob came Taska, to town. Yep. Went out and put my GT500 on the dyno and uh, can't thank those guys enough for the great partnership. Now, the next thing we're getting ready to do is we're going to go put our new Mustang out there on the dyno. We thought it was going to be ready to go, but we uh, decided that uh, we found out we weren't getting enough fuel uh, to those new injectors on the new 21 Mustang that we're hopping up with the turbo and stuff. So we got some more fuel pumps and a fuel cell coming for that. So once we get that on there, we'll take that car out there to BG and put on the dyno and see kind of what kind of power we're getting out of that thing and then hit it back to the drag strip and kind of see how that how we're going to turn with some yep. times and stuff like that too we went out there and run it <clears throat> it wasn't as good as i thought it was going to be because i guess it was only doing about six pounds of boost and uh, these guys got her turned up to about 20 so it ought to be an interesting pound what tw- six versus 20 pounds of boost takes off of there's so. one way or the other yeah but anyway sure. can't thank bg enough for all the great preventative maintenance products they give us uh, the partnership we have with those guys and all the great products that they have to keep your car running many many miles as and remember what that owner's manual says, there's not one thing in that owner's manual is ever going to tell you about putting the BG products in your fuel system or your crankcase or any of their products. That's because, you know what, the manufacturers don't want them to run any longer than they have to, so they can sell you another one or sell you some parts. So just remember what's in the owner's manual is your minimum requirements to do to that vehicle. So anyway, Big Corner Creative, all your advertising needs, it's a wrap shop, it's a web page, it's anything to advertise your business from Google advertising uh, and traditional she still want to do some radio want to do some tv uh from that part but anything to advertise your business big corner cranium is a full-fledged 100 advertising company it takes care of about 80 different companies out there that need their assistance on advertising your company and getting your word out and of course we do race car wraps we do vehicle wraps we do window tinting all kinds of things there at big corner creative so if you need any kind of stuff give those guys a call which they say just google them there you go and then of course our rent department here stan's got a great fleet of vehicles over there go to rent and I wish I could get some more, Josh, but it's been kind of tough getting a lot of products in there for them and everything else, too. With this supply chain we have and the lack of cars we have, we used to have about 180, 190 cars over there, and we're down, I think, I think I got it back up it's, to about 60. Yeah, think, it's, it's a lot better now than what it has been for sure. Just about a few more bought the other day, and I think they're here. I, I happened when I left last night putting the race car rig away. I drove by and saw that Ranger that I bought for him and put over there. So that's cool too. So a few different varieties of things in go to rent. So if you're looking for a 12 or 15 passenger van or need something uh, to get you for the next holiday weekend coming up, give Stan a call right inside here at Melham on the Ford. Josh, any last final comments, questions, anything, comments we need? You know, uh, appreciate everybody calling in and telling their story on the on the manual transmissions for sure. It's uh, always uh, fun and exciting to hear what uh, you know yeah. what what people have to say and the memories they have in in uh, in and around the automotive uh, you know world for right. sure. Very true. So, hey everybody, hey, thanks for all the callers. Thanks for everybody watching, listening. Thanks for the great comments on the chat side. Everybody have a great Saturday, and uh, we'll talk to you next Saturday.